Test him one. Test him two. Test him three. Test him four. There awesome. we go. We got it. <laughs> Welcome to the next episode of our Test Him podcast, where we talk all things fertility. I'm Toby Trice. I'm alongside Ian Stones, Michael Close, and we've got a very lovely guest today, Cheryl. Welcome to this podcast. Hello, Thank how are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? We're very good. We're very good. Thanks for joining us today. It's really, really great to have you on our, on our podcast. Um, Pleasure. To talk all things, all things male fertility. Yeah. And for those that haven't heard of you, Cheryl, do you want to give us a little intro? Because, you know, you're a very important figure in the male fertility world. And, and not just Cheryl, Professor Cheryl. Well, I started off my career as an academic research scientist and my interest had always been in uh, reproductive um, biochemistry. Uh, And then I got introduced to the wonderful world of IVF many years ago, which absolutely fascinated me. Mm. So my career then took a path into clinical aspects and I I was clinical embryologist for many years, running IVF laboratories in the private sector and, and public sector. And I noticed that uh, male fertility was somewhat marginalised, which didn't really sit very well with me as a scientist, because mm-hmm. obviously men contribute 50% to the embryo. So I decided to set up my own male fertility clinic, uh, where, where we mainly do uh, investigations for male infertility. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been running that now? So it's 16 years now. Wow. wow. Fantastic. And how much has changed in those 16 years and kind of all those years since you first started kind of in your kind of medical kind of training and background as much changed, do you think? I think people are generally a lot more aware now about male infertility. I think that's partly due to the expansion of the internet. Um, I think people are very much um, sort of media aware as well. Uh, So I think things have changed a little bit. What hasn't really changed is the way in which male infertility is managed. And I think Mm. that's been very slow off the mark. And I think this is where we really have a lot of things that we need to work with. And that's why we're here. Exactly why we're here. Exactly why we're here. That's what testing is all about, isn't it? It's kind of regenerating that that buzz for making sure that us guys are checked properly. Um, We've heard on this podcast some really interesting stories from patients that have pretty much been through treatment with the guy being ignored. Um, Actually, after they've had their investigations and tests done, um, they've actually found out there's male fertility issues. And it's so, so important that we actually get them checked sooner right because that's where half the problem is i think we were just chatting just before this podcast about kind of how many times we hear this that people embark on an ivf journey and actually there potentially is a male factor problem but we quite often put the two together that male factor infertility and ivf are together but actually it's not is it um it isn't and and i think it's it's very different when you're uh, invest, uh, looking at uh, female reproductive health because when fema- females or women have issues uh, doctors generally tend to refer them to a female reproductive health specialist a gynaecologist yeah. to, to, to actually investigate them properly um, however if there seem to be issues with male reproductive health the sort of initial reaction is to immediately refer them to a a fertility clinic, in other words, an IVF clinic, without any investigation at all. Yeah, it's really yeah, it's back to front, isn't it? Very, yeah. very back to and, front. And, of course, they don't then end up in front of a 
male fertility specialist, they end up in front of a female fertility specialist. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they may be the best female fertility specialists in the whole world, yeah. but they really have very limited um, training in terms of male infertility. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so from your experience, kind of what, what gets missed then in that kind of process? You know, we, we were talking, as Toby said before we came in and started recording, about the important diagnostics that, that need to happen for men. The current system doesn't allow for that, does it really? So what gets missed? Everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Big statement There right we there. go. <laughs> that is, that's, a, that's a real big one. But, you know, if, Everything if it, gets missed. If, if you're a yeah. guy in general yes. practice, mm. what, what should they happen? What, what should happen? Well, I think what people need to understand is that infertility is defined by WHO mm. as a disease of the reproductive tract mm. um, that will cause a lack of pregnancy if couples have been trying consistently every 12 months without without a conception, without a pregnancy. Uh, while we recognise um, diseases as being things that need to be investigated, we need to make this very important for the men as well. Mm, we yeah. need to investigate the man. Now, when we're talking about a disease state, we're talking about medical conditions. Mm -hmm. And therefore, men should be investigated for medical conditions. We know, for example, that one of the first things that happens if you're unwell is that your fertility declines. Mm -hmm. Because you it's a waste of energy to be having children when you're not well, biologically. Yeah, our physiology so this kind is, of protects that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Protects our energy, yeah. Exactly. So it's essential that if a man knows that he has a problem with his fertility, that he should, be in, he should have his general health investigated. And he needs to acknowledge that if he has symptoms of anything, that something's not right, he needs to go to a doctor and get himself investigated. So it's almost like, it, and I, I've said this to men before, kind of a semen analysis, for example, because obviously that's the first basic test that a guy will have when he goes to a GP. And it's true for a, a DNA fragmentation test as well. They're almost, they're almost like an outcome test. They're a, they're, all, they're a marker for, and this is what you're saying, isn't it? They're a marker for other things that could be going on. Exactly. And, and some of those things that are going on may not be obvious. Exactly. So I think what we have to do is we, we need to look at full investigation of a man's general health mm. yep. his, and his reproductive health in order to try and understand where the problem might lie. And if we understand where the problem might lie, then we can try and manage that for yeah. him, treat, treat it, it for him. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's why it's so important that we investigate the man. And when you say general health, you know, what does that mean to you know, a couple of listening to this or a man's listening to this? His semen analysis is suboptimal. He thinks he's doing all right in terms of his health. What are you looking for when you say general health? So if you go back and, I think we were talking about this before, so a guy comes to see you, you will actually do a full kind of general health assessment rather than just looking at what's going on with the sperm. What, what are you looking at in terms of man's general health that, that will be impacting his fertility? So there are, there are a lot of things that can affect uh, fertility. As I said, any underlying health conditions. So we can look at something like uh, congenital conditions such as hemochromatosis. We can look at um, conditions that might develop 
over time, such as diabetes or even congenital diabetes. Um, even, I mean, I don't want to worry people, but in some circumstances, it could be indicative of something like testicular cancer, for example. Mm -hmm. So we actually have a moral duty to investigate people because if they leave these conditions unattended, they can have serious consequences mm. and of which male infertility is, is a secondary result of yeah. those conditions. Yeah. But if we manage to treat some of those conditions, then we may well be able to improve that man's fertility and, of course, increase his chances of having family. Yeah, but also his long-term health, isn't it? And th yeah. there is that, that strong correlation between subfertility or infertility in a man and his long-term health as well exactly yeah absolutely so we need to be treating these guys and actually assessing them properly rather than just manipulating the sperm and and like trying to work around things exactly because we may well be missing the actual cause of his infertility but also missing an underlying pathology as well which mm, yeah. is can potentially be quite dangerous because yeah. Guys aren't really particularly good at going to the GP, are they? We're rubbish no. at that. No. Really rubbish. Yeah. 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 No, really so, bad. <laughs> so this is a, a great kind of point for a guy. Like, okay, your semen analysis is suboptimal. Go and see the right person to get a proper assessment because there could be so many other factors in your life that could be influencing this and, and getting it treated and sorted sooner. Like I say, it's going to improve your fertility, but it's going to improve your long-term health as well. Exactly. And I think it's very simple to go to your... GP and ask your GP to have just a general health screen. It's mm -hmm. a simple blood test mm -hmm. uh, that can look at a variety of different factors mm -hmm. and the way in which your body functions just to get an overall idea as to whether or not there might be a problem. But I think also men need to listen to their bodies and they need to do something about it if something has changed. When I see patients, a lot of the time they say to me, oh, but I'm getting a little bit older now. Mm. You know, I'm seeing men in their early 30s <laughs> complaining that they're getting a little bit older. I mean, first of all, um, men in their early 30s shouldn't be experiencing the kind of symptoms that you get in your 50s. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, even if you start to experience things in your 50s, you shouldn't be experiencing, you shouldn't be having symptoms. That's an indication that there is something going awry. And men really, even if they only have occasional symptoms, if it's something that's not usual, mm. they need to go to their GP about mm. it. But of course, sometimes there's no symptoms. So an asymptomatic exactly. infection, for example. Exactly. And infections are a big thing. Oh, are they? They are a big thing for infertility. Mm -hmm. It's the, the problem with it is, is that the evidence out there is new. It's relatively mm. new. So relatively speaking we don't have a huge amount of evidence the evidence isn't strong but all the evidence that's coming out seems to suggest that underlying bacterial or viral infections can have a significant impact on sperm the way that the sperm function and also in terms of passing things into their to the female reproductive tract which mm. can then have a knock-on effect to, for the female reproductive health and can also significantly increase risks of miscarriage. So these are very important things. And again, a lot of the times it's, it's not about having symptoms, although there may well be, mm -hmm. 
some of the symptoms would be urological symptoms, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, having to get up in the middle of the night, um, not just because you've been drinking a lot of water before you got to bed, or sort of an incomplete emptying of the bladder or straining, mm-hmm. or um, any um, issues that, that may be related if you have a history mm-hmm. of genital warts or... Uh, urinary tract infections, anything like that, could could indicate an underlying imbalance. Yeah, and guy, guys don't think about this stuff. They don't right. think about it. It doesn't get asked routinely, which is why it's in our questionnaire. Have you had a previous STI, you know, yeah. or, or a UTI? Yeah. Because it's it's because also so many of them can be asymptomatic. But yeah. I, I'm glad you brought this up because we had an inquiry recently from a, from a chap mm. who has had a semen culture done to look for bacteria right. and, and look to see if he had an infection. But it was done on the NHS. And when we passed it in front of our professor that we work very closely with, he said, well, what about this? What about that? What about the other? It, it seemed like it was an incomplete um, screening process. The problem with it is, is that the routine way of doing these cultures um, is that it's sent to a laboratory literally to do a culture. Mm-hmm. Now, Think about your body. You have a lot of organisms that grow nicely in your body. But when you take them out of the body and you put them into a little Petri dish, Mm -hmm. if that food in the Petri dish isn't quite what that organism likes, Mm. won't grow in the Petri dish. Mm -hmm. Grow in you, not in the Petri dish. So there are newer techniques available now. They're called PCR screens. People have heard about PCR COVID and everything. But boy, they're very good. (laughs) The the limitations with PCR screening is that um, you're screening directly for a specific organism. Mm -hmm. So unless you've got a panel of uh, multiple panel of organisms, you can't test for everything. But whatever you do, you can't test for everything. And that's the thing, is that a lot of the organisms that we know can affect male infertility and subsequently harm the female patient caused bacterial vaginosis are not picked up on culture. No. Unless they're very, very, very heavy infections. So things like urea plasma, gardnerella, um, all of these, Prevotella, all of these organisms, they cannot be picked up necessarily in culture. So uh, you really do need to um, do these PCR screens. The problem with the PCR screens Mm -hmm. is that in order to validate them, you have to have a lot of positive controls to validate them. And the validations are not there Uh. for semen for men. They exist for women, for vaginal swabs, Mm -hmm. but not for men. So the men are kind of stuck. We actually published a paper a couple of years ago that actually showed for certain organisms that were picked up in semen, you can also pick them up. They 99% of the time you pick them up in urine as well. So you can do urine PCR screens, but they're, they're limited in what they... Yeah. So, so where can guys go to to get this PCR type analysis? Um, because if 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 it's not available through the NHS, through general sort of screening, mm. through the normal culture screening, where can where can guys go to to go and get the the advanced sort of uh, screening? So, I think again, they're going to have to go privately, mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, and they are quite costly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are. 
several urologists and gynecologists mm -hmm. that will perform PCR screening. Okay. Um, and I think as time goes on, hopefully we're going to see development of more efficient PCR screenings yeah. with a with better profiles. Yeah. I know they do provide some of these tests on semen um, in other countries, but I don't know whether they can be validated because the controls haven't been published. You know, there's libraries of PCR screens for vaginal samples, so yeah. those tests are, are properly validated. So we've got a bit of a gap, really, haven't there we, is. in general screening, in mm. general practice, um, yes. really, and it's a matter of understanding where guys can go to and it's normally what from what you've just said is is possibly a private sector analysis or a you know a screening yes. is is possibly more worthwhile um certainly if you've been trying to conceive for some time and still struggling to to get over that line yes um and go yes. and get some further advanced tests which may not be available on the nhs exactly exactly okay. i think this is part of the moral of the story is that men have to unfortunately they have to take a little bit of ownership of this themselves mm. and they have to do the research and they have to go and find these things themselves yes. which is why this podcast is so fantastic and often it's actually the partner um, well, who, who will do the investigations and work yes. out yes. What, what do I need yes. um, and then go and give you know hubby or whoever it is to, a, nudge, a nudge the partner a nudge to say actually do you think we should do this and, and actually I think that's probably where we need to sort of nudge people in the right direction that NHS might not be giving you the full picture. Um, they'll probably do a very good job for general health screening, but may not be as specific as they could be for fertility health. Yes, and I think, you know, part, part, partly it's because of funding, mm -hmm. but also it's because, you know, and, and r rightly so, that doctors will only really prescribe investigations for patients who have symptoms, yeah. and also where there's good um, evidence base. Mm. And because male infertility has only been investigated more recently compared to female infertility that's been investigated for thousands of years, we're very far behind in terms mm. of the evidence that we have for male infertility. So when we do investigate for male infertility, it is not based on the strongest of evidence. Um, but nevertheless, it doesn't mean that it isn't valid. No. And I think we also know that not all of the advanced tests, whether it be advanced semen culture or um, infection screening, are within the guidelines either. So we've got, you know, very um, prominent guidelines, nice guidelines in the UK. But, you know, if I look at the male fertility guidelines, they are failing in their age, first of all, um, yes. in being, yeah. um, you know, sort of revised. Um, yes. So a lot of the revisions get skipped um, because we don't really know what else to go in there. Um, um, but, you know, I think the what we know from the advanced diagnostics that are available, that have got some form of validation, um, that guidelines are, are still way behind what we, we know in the, the academic or the scientific world. So, you know, it's a matter of um, looking out and saying what else is out there. And it may not be in the guidelines for NHS um, no. reimbursement, but it doesn't say that those diagnostics are not available. They are often available, but they're just not as visible as we'd like them to be. Yeah, and we also need to tackle the taboos really as well, don't we? You know, we're talking very, very science and medical based here, but actually we always need to come back to the man and, and tackle these really honest taboos because how many men out there, you know, do wake up in the night for a, 
a pee or they're straining or they've got an ache in their, their testicle or whatever. And I've been, I've been there myself. I've ignored mm. it for years. Um, yeah. And was too embarrassed to go to a GP and say, yes. my left testicle is a little bit achy. Um, and it wasn't until kind of I was somewhat forced, um, shall we say persuaded, um, <laughs> and you know, met Ian and Michael and, and the wonderful Jonathan Ramsey that actually I figured out that that was causing my infertility issues. So I think it's really important that on, on our podcast with the testing brand and everything that we're doing is to try and really, really empower men um, to actually kind of take ownership of their, um, their conditions or their symptoms yeah. so that they actually go and seek the right people and get the right help and support because actually there's some really, really great people in this space um, who are doing amazing things and all this amazing research and science that's coming out. That will only improve the more we empower men to actually take the action to yeah. get checked and tested because ultimately we need more information, right, to, to validate these these particular tests. Um, but it is so important that guys get, get yourself checked. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And don't be embarrassed Absolutely. because... I've been there. I know how difficult it is, but equally, I know how positive the outcome can be afterwards. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, the whole testing brand of what we created is tackling fertility together. We are one big team, one big family, one big group of people who really want to get the right outcome for every individual and couple out there. Mm. Um, but we've got to start with kind of these taboos um, because that makes the big difference because without bombs and seats in front of um, consultants, they'll never get diagnosed right um and you need to see exactly. the right people to get that done so um i think that's my my kind of like moral of the story of this part yeah. i'm just trying to yeah. take the science bit back and actually yeah. put it into a human element yeah. it's so so powerful yeah. but men have got to be brave haven't they they've yeah. got to be brave and you know it, the, what some of the work that we're trying to do is to try and raise that awareness and say that there is more out there than just going to an ivf clinic sure um you know go back to root cause and say even if you don't really know everything we're not asking you to go and educate yourself on everything but go and see the right specialist which is not necessarily a gynecologist and then let them go through a full workup um, to see what is going on in the background and see if there's things that can be modified and some of these are free you know yeah, uh, taking exactly. your mobile phone out your pocket that's free um, you know and just taking back to basics and saying right okay you know where are you um, where, where do you want to go and this is the sort of type of ruling out what could be the root cause and, and try and get you into a more positive male health, um, fertility health uh, outcome. Mm. And I have to say, actually, if, you've, if you listen to this podcast, chances are you've already done a semen analysis. There's a good probability that you already have if you there listen is. to this. Um, I can reassure you that if you've already done that, going to see a specialist to have your, a testicular examination and ultrasound and some basic yeah. tests really is not that bad. Um, and no matter what you might think of that, it really isn't as bad as going to do a sample because that's definitely the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. So, yeah, um, yeah that's, that's my, my five cents in there. Yes, I, I think that's that, that must be a very brave thing to do, I must say. Um, commend everybody when they are forced into that situation. But I think it's very important that you don't just wave your semen analysis results to every doctor and say, this is it, this is me, I've got great results, there's no problem with me, or mm. I've got poor results and I need IVF. This is all wrong. It's all completely wrong. Your semen analysis is your, your first step. You then need to act upon it because within that semen analysis may be clues in there as to what might be going on and causing the problem for you. Yeah, yeah, it is it is not the answer. Uh. It is the first stage to try and unravel what's really going on, mm. irrespective of whether you've got good sperm parameters or not. Mm -hmm. 
And the other thing that's very important about a semen analysis, which most people seem to completely ignore, including the doctors, is the fact that the semen analysis is not just about sperm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the semen is not sperm. No. Yeah. It's fluid. And where does that fluid come from? Yeah. It comes from your male accessory glands. So if there's anomalies in your semen, in the fluid, that can indicate a real problem with your male accessory glands, which in turn can can be causing the problem. Can we put male you. accessory glands in patient speak? We're talking testicles oh, and prostate. Sorry. No, um, <laughs> sorry, I do apologise. So they're the accessories. The main yeah. ones are your testes, obviously, because yeah. they're the magic places where sperm are made. Yeah. Uh, but the accessory glands are your prostate and your seminal vesicles. There yeah. we go. Those are your male accessory glands. Sorry oh, about that. That's all right. <laughs> um, I, I can imagine people Googling. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm thinking, yeah, I know quite a bit, but I'm yeah. not entirely your sure. Your accessories. Yeah, 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 yeah yes. my accessories. Your accessories. So, uh, in terms where of the your, water's added. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's fluid. where you're going to get issues with pH and maybe um, volume, viscosity. Volume. Viscosity, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they're the ones and that often, like say, get overlooked. Yeah. 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 And Debris. pH is a really good indicator of infection, yeah. isn't it? Or blockage. Yes, exactly. And volume. Yeah. Of that. And of course, so much of this is potentially treatable. Yes. This, this yeah. is the other yes. point, isn't it? Yes. Like, you know, men are really scared to get these assessments done yes. because they're they're worried that that is then their fertility, that's their masculinity, that's their ego. Mm -hmm. So it's their exactly. disease as yeah, well. It's just you know, a, by having a bad result. Does that mean I've, I'm I'm diseased? Actually, yeah, yeah. no, it doesn't. It or means, I'm a failure. It means that 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 chat that the opportunity to have that analysis is a snapshot of your fertility health at that point in time. Now, if you take that seriously and look at what could be affecting my volume, what could by be affecting my count, what could be affecting the motility. Actually, some of those can be easily broken down by general lifestyle, um, you know, what we eat and what we drink and so forth. So there's a lot of things that we can do to improve we could almost just bring those it back parameters. To, almost bring it back to the racing in that when you put in a duff lap, you go back to you go back to the data, don't you? And the, the health beam some recently. It's not the fuel. But you go back to the data, don't you? Like, okay, yeah. hang on a minute. Where am I not doing the right things? I'm I'm not braking right here. I'm not accelerating hard enough here. You know, the, we tweak the car a little bit, and and then it performs better. Yeah. It's the same with sperm, isn't it? It's well, like, it is because if you look at a car, it's not just about the speed you're going. It's mm. about the engine. It's about the brakes. It's about the fuel. The fuel and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. Everything has to be in tip-top shape if you're going to get the best result. Correct. Yeah. So if you want to have a child, you've got to not just focus on one thing and say, okay, that's my problem. Mm -hmm. Invariably, it's multifactorial. Exactly. It's yeah. many different things all going on at the same yeah. time. So, yes, I love the analogy with yeah. the with the motor yeah, racing. Well, that's why you've got engineers, isn't it, to help you with their data yeah. and understand what's going on in the car yeah. and what's going on with you because, you know, it could be your just mental aptitude to that day being stressed um, before you even jump in the car. Can make a difference. Can make a massive difference, yeah. can't it? So, And I think that's the same with, you know, fertility. If a guy is completely stressed out and, you know, not performing very well, is, but chances are his semen parameters are going to be pretty poor as well. So we, are we yes. saying uh, Cheryl is actually a sperm engineer? I think she is. She's a data engineer. We've rebranded Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Yeah, she's our it. clinical data engineer for, <laughs> for male fertility. Re rename the clinic. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, <laughs> sperm engineers. Sperm I just, engineers. I just want to pick up on one other thread that kind of came here is obviously how far you can get with the NHS as a man. 
yeah. um, which unfortunately is very limited, and, and the pathway mm-hmm. tends to be to IVF. We something we hear a lot is the cost of doing these assessments, yeah. Because obviously, a lot of people, you know, finance is an issue, and they will go through NHS because they need the funding and the support. Mm. Um, I think trying to change people's mindset around the cost of these investigations. Yes, it might cost you several hundred, maybe a thousand pounds in total, but isn't that a good investment to actually optimise the sperm and potentially negate the need for IVF? Do you think? Well, I I think so. I mean, it's it's easy for me to say because I'm not in that position where I'm, you know, sorting myself out for my fertility. Um, although I've had my own problems in the past, um, but um, I I I do um, understand that um, not all IVF is is carried out on the NHS. A lot of people have to pay privately for it's about IVF 60%, treatment. Sixty percent, seventy percent, yeah. actually. Yeah. 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 Yep. And when you think of the cost of doing that, which is anywhere between five and ten thousand pounds a cycle, mm-hmm. where you're investing at least three, three or four cycles, um, compared to the cost of maybe a thousand pounds of completing all the assessments, if it's able to um, improve your sperm quality and improve your chances of natural conception significantly, or even to improve your outcome with IVF treatment Mm -hmm. you are going to be saving yourself firstly a huge amount of emotional stress stress. uh, by having to go through multiple failed cycles of IVF or months and months and months of trying to conceive with or without miscarriages Mm. um, that are really really emotionally uh, devastating Um, so in that way, I I I I don't think you can you can compare no. yeah. it, yeah. and and obviously when you do these tests and investigations, no one can guarantee that you're going to be treated. Mm. No, no one can guarantee it, but if it gives you a good chance, as good as if not better than trying for for all the hassles involved with IVF, mm. I mean it seems to me like it's a no brainer, but you know obviously. One one has to look at everything. You have to look at the whole big picture and what the benefits and advantages are. Yeah, I, I always try to are. to think about it as as a bit of equality, really, because female, you know, women will get investigated thoroughly for um, yes. you know, for, for fertility. So why shouldn't men? I think that's that's <laughs> the bit that 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 we should really think about is why shouldn't men get thoroughly investigated beyond the semen analysis? And I think that is the the key crux of this, um, is that if we have got those diagnostics, they are available, they are available, but they may not be funded by the NHS. Um, But often they are increasingly being um, funded by insurance companies, health insurance companies that may be offered through um, um, their employer schemes. So it should certainly be investigated whether you have got health insurance to cover some of the investigations or diagnostics. rather than just looking at the treatment side of an IVF cycle. So, and if you can do that, then, you know, seeing somebody like like you, Cheryl, or, you know, a urologist, for example, could actually unlock what those issues are and, and actually go on the path of the, of the right, you know, uh, treatment arm, tri- treatment options that are available. So Yes, and I would also go back to the beginning again here by saying that, you know, if you do have fertility issues that... 
if if you have a health issue, this has you have to do something about it. You can't yeah. leave it and not investigate it. It mm. just doesn't make any sense. No. Mm. So I think we do definitely need to make sure that men are fully evaluated yeah. when when there's any issue concerning infertility. I think the other point there is you, know, you talk about kind of measuring or assessing the men and the women equally. I think the important point in that, it's not like men versus women kind of thing, is the fact that if you actually assess the man properly, thoroughly, mm-hmm. and before any fertility treatment, you're potentially negating the need for that woman to go through invasive hormonal treatment, invasive operations, mm-hmm. and, and all the heartache that comes with IVF. So, you know, just why wouldn't you, mm-hmm. as a man, like, actually, because that's one of the big things we hear from men, is yeah. like, they feel so helpless watching their wife go or partner go through all these treatments. They, they're, you know, really sad to see her and to inject herself and all that and the other. It's like, okay, guys, if you don't want that to happen, then actually let's do a bit more than just your semen analysis. Actually take responsibility. Go and get assessed. There is so much more out of there, out there for you. Get yourselves in the best possible place and it could negate a lot of heartache. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and also we mustn't forget that 50% of infertility is contributed by a male factor. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's one in two chaps. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, it's quite important statistics, isn't it, really? It is one in two. You know, it takes two to tango. Don't just exactly. test one side. You need to test two. So, exactly. uh, you know, I think it's, you know, testing one, testing two. It, that's that's really the, <laughs> so, the, you know, test her, test him. Uh, I think that's really, you know, the crux of the matter. And we, we, what we've tried to do over the last, uh, you know, two years, three years or something like that. Two years. We're coming two up to years. Coming up to two years wow. is to try and simplify that process. And by asking the questions that, we should be asking at general practice, which often are missed, and they're often missed in fertility clinics as well, just general background health recommendations. Um, but it's got to be supported by, you know, full um, other evaluations, investigations, laying on hands, as Jonathan would say, um, you know, checking whether everything's in order. An ultrasound could be very useful, make sure all your tubules are working correctly in the right order and um, there's no signs of varicocele. We haven't touched on varicocele have we, today, but, um, you know, just those simple things, blood tests, hormone profile checks, um, infection checks, these are all basic stuff, really. Um, but why do we not do them? That's, that's the big question. And it's just about guys being brave enough to say, actually, can I get all that done, please? That's that's really what what we should be doing, and then just rule it out and and get the proper advice. Yeah, and then if you need IVF, because because ultimately there will be patients that that will still need to to go through and embark on an IVF journey. I think um, you know from my own experience, if you've if you've done everything leading up to your first cycle, a you're increasing your chances by by a considerable amount. You know, you just explained there, fifty percent is male factor. But it, it just seeing your your partner go through what they have to go through for an IVF process is really it's really tough. It's really tough, and and certainly through my diagnosis, I felt huge shame and guilt that I didn't get checked sooner. Now I wasn't aware of all this before, so I can't really blame myself. Um, and in hindsight, it, yeah, I would have absolutely had them done before IVF. But I think if if people listen to this and they are thinking of IVF is their next route, but haven't yet had the full investigations done on the on the man. Get those done because at least then if you do need it and whichever outcome comes after that, at least you can be rest assured that you've done absolutely everything in your power 
um, to give you the best possible outcome. And I think that's really, really important. And certainly when, when me and Katie was going through the sort of the peak of our journey, um, and once I had my diagnosis and I had my surgery for the varicosectomy, we, we had this really deep conversation that actually if we was then going to be childless, not by choice, um, we could live our lives knowing that we have put everything we could possibly do, do so into it. I'd hate to sort of fast forward the clock in 10 years time and think, do you know what? I wish I'd have actually put that behind me and got myself checked out properly mm. because that would have eaten me up over a long, t- over a long term. Um, and so coming back to what I mentioned earlier about kind of ending the, the, the stigma and taboos, this is life-changing um, for the better or worse, potentially. Um, and if we get everything done prior to any further treatment and we get that equality back between men and women, mm-hmm. then the outcomes for people moving forward mentally um, are in a far stronger position. And that is with whether or not with they've had success and had a child or they've been childless, not by choice. Um, and I just think that's a really important point because so many of us kind of exclude that oh, you know, I'll get checked another week or I don't need to take my phone out of my pocket or I don't need to worry about my diet and lifestyle and I'm okay because my semen analysis was okay. My semen analysis was pretty all right, but actually I had an underlying problem. Um, and if I didn't get that checked, then Oliver wouldn't be here today. So I'm grateful of all the, the sort of medicine and all this all this practice that goes on. But it's so, so important that you do not leave a stone unturned. I think that's, um, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head with that one, I think, Toby. Um, And I think that's so true. Uh, I would also encourage men to be investigated at the same time as their partners rather Mm. than delay, especially because men should be fertile their entire lives, but women, unfortunately, are on a... A, t- a time, time bomb, uh, bomb here, <laughs> yeah. uh, ticking, ticking time bomb, yeah. and we don't really want to delay. I mean, I don't want to get people anxious about women's age, but I think it's essential that men get uh, investigated at exactly the same time. Yeah, because actually, I've, I've had many conversations now with with couples or with men, and and you look at the because you've all got you got to take everything into account, and the woman's age and the woman's health is also an equal part to play in all of this. Mm. But if you've got a woman who's 42 and her egg reserve is is very, very low Mm. and the guy maybe is 43 or 40, maybe whatever, you're like, okay, great, we would love to run these advanced diagnostics for you and we'd love for you to see a urologist, but that's going to take time. It might take six months, it might take a year, even if you go privately, especially if you need a varicocele embolisation. You've then got to make a call. You might not actually now have the time to do that because your partner's 42 and you need to do your IVF within the next three, four months. So, which which actually kind of leads me into a question I had for you, Cheryl, which is, of the patients that you see, do you see many that are doing this as a preconception thing or do you actually end up seeing a lot of people that are two or three IVF cycles down and now like, what's going on? I see all of it. (laughs) I see all of it and I see... Well, what's really frustrating to me is that I do get sort of very anxious people calling me up and saying, we want to see you because we've got our IVF treatment in three weeks. Oh. And we want, we yeah. want to make sure that we're doing everything we can so that oh, this, this time it works. It's like yeah. the nth time we've had IVF treatment. Oh, that's really sad. And so what I say to people in those situations is have your IVF treatment. When you're done with your IVF treatment, come and see me. I want to try and sort you out mm-hmm. if it doesn't work yeah. Yeah. again. Because there isn't anything you can do in three weeks. No. Um, the other issue, obviously, is is with the the woman's age, and this is a big factor. Um, 
you know, obviously women in their late 30s, what we try to do is say, okay, this is going to be three months minimum. Well, we do the investigations, we manage you as much as we can in that three to four months. But in the meantime, you get yourself seen at the IVF clinic so that three to four months, hopefully you'll you'll be as good as you can be, but go and have IVF. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's about optimization, <laughs> isn't it? It in is that, about that, optimization. That whilst, whilst people are waiting yes. for an IVF cycle, because inevitably, you know, clinics don't want to put patients off. Patients don't want to be put off either. But there's so much that I think mm. you can do in that lead up time before that IVF cycle. And we know that uh, already. Uh, through through things and I think one thing what we were talking about earlier on about age and, and female age it's also right that male age has a profound factor oh, yes. on probably advanced factors more genetic factors or DNA factors yes. rather than the ability to produce a good semen analysis so I don't know if you want to comment on that age related male factor yes. this no, could be another sir. podcast Cheryl it up there didn't yeah. you yeah. Yeah. come on <laughs> Come on, Cheryl. Maybe is, briefly on this one. Yes, I, I think, um, you know, that, that there is clear evidence that as men age, they get into their mid-40s, sperm quality deteriorates. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about the things that you see under the microscope, but it's the molecular factors, the DNA, the genetic mm-hmm. integrity of the sperm. We know that significantly deteriorates over time. Um, and more insidiously, um, damaged DNA can lead to increased risk of miscarriage, um, you know, if if an older man is with a much younger partner, the eggs of that younger partner can, to some extent, repair some of that DNA damage. But if they're with an older partner, that's not necessarily going to be the case. Uh, and there have been increased incidences of various conditions in the offspring um, from older men as well. So that's more evidence that's coming to light as well. So men should not delay trying to have a family. Um, Equally, women, we know, try not to delay, um, but um, they need to recognise that once they get into their mid-40s and older, things are not necessarily going to be as good as they are when they're younger. I'm aware of that. I'm 45 and things aren't as good as they used to be. It's <laughs> <laughs> got nothing to do with my sperm. It's my back. And I was only listening to Rod Gilbert last night on Comedy Central. There was uh, his book of John and it, and it was some hilarious sketches about men getting slightly older and volume becoming less and less and less. I mean, it's hilarious. It really yeah. was. But it's true. You know, yeah. you know, yeah. we, we, we don't function as well when we get as old uh, <sighs> as when we were younger. So. Look, look at the young look one at in the Oh, no, I'm grinning. I've got a bit of age. He's like, you know. I can't wait to see in his 40s or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, so. But notice that we've got an article on our website actually about age, and, and it was yeah. a really interesting one to write. And, and what I remember when I wrote that is how when an old man or an older man, maybe in his 60s, 70s, and some 80s, father a child, oh, it's all over the news. Oh, my God, isn't, you know, I can't remember who it was now, but loads of them have done it. It's like, isn't that amazing? Look at these men that can father children in their eighties. It's mm. like that's not actually a good message to be putting out no. because no. that that child is at genetic risk of, of of certain conditions because of the aging DNA. Exactly. But it's just making men think. Oh, okay. Well, it can't ever be me because it's never the man, and me getting older clearly doesn't affect my sperm. So hey ho, mm. I'll crack on. Well, they, there's similar things when women are in their mid-40s having children and everyone thinks this is wonderful but Mm. so rare it's really rare 
Um, but as you say, I, I think the most important thing is to think about the welfare of the child, the health of that child born from a sperm from an older person, and the fact that they may not live to see that child grow up, oh. yeah. which is another yeah. important thing. You want to be running around with your kid and playing football with them. Yeah. Yeah, too right. So it's about being a healthy father, not just being a healthy sperm yeah. Yeah. Exactly. sort of man. Yeah. yeah. So I think the moral of today, or the moral of the story of this podcast is get yourself checked thoroughly Absolutely. and do it early. Yeah. Do it see a sperm engineer. Sperm, sperm engineer. engineer. <laughs> a sperm data engineer. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that going to be the title yeah. of this episode? I yeah, think so. The, the one with the sperm engineer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Excellent. And I think we also need to remember that some of the advanced diagnostics are going to be important as well, as well as the basic ones that you can achieve, achieve um, or receive in, in the NHS sector. So, you know, do go and get a good referral to a good, you know, specialist who who can then ask for all the right investigations to get you thoroughly checked. Mm. Cheryl, thank you so much for joining us today. You know how incredibly busy you are, um, so thank you for taking time out of your your busy day to come come join us. It's been my um, absolute pleasure. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed talking to all oh, of you. Thank you. Oh, brilliant. And we didn't cover what we planned to cover, so it does mean you're going to have to come back. Is, is that okay? That would be fine. I'd be <laughs> very much looking forward to it. Brilliant. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Thank you again, Cheryl Homer from Andrology Solutions. Go to our website, check out our, um, our portal, our free questionnaire, and we've got some very exciting news, possibly on advanced diagnostics, that at the time of recording are coming very, very soon. So, Absolutely. Watch yeah. this space. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Have a great day, everyone. And don't forget, get tested. Get tested. <laughs>